We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So I think you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Hey everybody. Value Add with K&K, Crystal Kenny here. Just want to say thank you so much for the support, for listening, um, the comments, everything. Keep it up. We'll keep going as long as we can. And if you like what you're listening to, like what you're watching, uh, tell your friends about it, leave us a review, maybe even give us five stars. We love those. That's how we can grow and continue to bring you guys value and spread the word. Thanks, guys. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Today we have Bill Anderson. He's the principal of Acre Commercial. If you don't know him, well, you should. Um, hey Bill, thanks for coming on. Hi. If you don't know him, you should. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> well, People I, listen to this podcast now. I like that. I appreciate that. Thanks for coming in, Bill. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm it's uh, Friday after Halloween, so yeah. Some people the are hungover. Were a quiet yeah. this morning. Yeah. Saw a lot of people in pajamas and Uggs. So jump right in, Bill. Tell us, um, when people come on here, I think for you is we've known you for a while. We're good friends, traveled, all that good stuff. Um, kind of tell us, I guess, how you landed in selling commercial real estate. Sure. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of options before just jumping in. Absolutely. Um, again, thanks for having me on and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm certainly excited and, and glad to be here. So, um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a family with a, uh, dad as a real estate attorney. And so, um, for me, my direction was always, you know, like a lot of, I think kids, you know, they, they look at their, their father and the success he had. And, um, I wanted to be an attorney. Um, and right, I remember that. yeah. And, um, God, I'm glad I didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. Um, talk about, you know, arguing, uh, for a job, but so, um, through college, um, I, that was my focus. And, um, I think, uh, once I took a little harder look at, um, what, it, what entailed, um, going into that profession, I started to really kind of lean a little bit more towards finance. Um, I ended up doing really good in finance. I got recruited to be a stockbroker. Wow. Um, and so I was leaving college thinking, the first year I got to make a million bucks a year. I mean, I was, I was stressed. I was, you know, I had buddies that were, you know, working at a surf shop or bartending mm -hmm. or doing this, traveling the world. I immediately jumped right in and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to wear a suit. Um, I'm going to travel to New York. I'm going to work on wall street. And, um, that's what I did. So I got wow. recruited to work in, um, as a stockbroker, uh, with Merrill Lynch. And then I got, uh, I moved over to Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter, um, and you worked on the 87th floor of the world trade center. Um, which is, yeah, which is crazy. Wow. What year is this? Year. This was in, um, 2000. I left. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So wow. I did training out there. So you there. went to New York. I went to New Shoot, York. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So every time we come on there, somebody tells them I didn't know. I never knew you went to New yeah. York. It's crazy. I, I mean, it was, it was at the height of the IPO and the tech boom. It was nuts out there. I mean, I was I was a kid. I was twenty. And you were working in the old, World 22. Trade Center. Yeah, I worked. Well, I trained in the World Trade Center on the eighty seventh floor. Um, we had experience on on the trading floor and um, all that um, jazz. And I was wearing you know 
black pinstripe suit, <laughs> my hair back, and I'm from you know I'm a Southern, Cal- Southern yeah. California kid, and I you know and I'm I'm stuck in New York, and it was it was a shock, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was I was you know scared, um, but I I believed that you know this would be a good foundation, and that I. I really thought, oh my God, I'm alone, you know, on my own for the first time. Mm-hmm. I need to go out and I need to, to prove myself to the world. Um, so I ended up working for a little bit at the bond department there. Um, huh. and then, um, I, I love New York. It's great, great stuff, but moved back, uh, to California. Couldn't be away from the water and, and friends, um, was a stockbroker for about four or five years. Um, I built a book and, um, when the crash happened, I lost all faith in the analysts, all faith in, in my company. Um, you know, when my clients were calling saying, you know, uh, I want to sell what crash, Um, what year, uh, the crash that basically the, 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 dot com, the the dot com. Okay. Okay, cool. We were doing, um, IPOs and secondary IPOs and, uh, making, I mean, so this year, is early 2000s. This still. is early 2000s. Okay. I mean, one year I did over a hundred percent in stock trades on return. Wow. And I thought this is great. Yeah. Uh, people would call me and say, what's, you know, TXI. Um, what do you think of that? I had no idea. Yeah. So, you know, you punch in TXI and your Morgan Stanley computer and it pops up and it says, you know, buy, sell or hold. And then you can talk about it and that type of thing. So the, the, what happened was when it went sideways, my clients lost money. Um, and we were basically playing a game. We were trading stocks. Um, I didn't start with a, uh, a, a team, so I didn't have the proper training. And there were so many diverse products out there from strips to CDs to commodities, options, futures, crazy. Um, equities. And they're all out there competing for your money. And how can I, – I sat there when things were going bad and people were losing money. And I said, how can any one person be a specialist in all these different areas? Yeah, you can. And at that point, I had already bought some real estate. And guess what? My real estate wasn't going down. Mm-hmm. And my clients that were diversified, their real estate wasn't going down. And real estate's, again, out there. It's another – form of competition for your money and your investments. So I did an about face. I walked down the hall one day and into my, uh, the senior VP's office. And I said, I'm done. And wow. I just walked right out. That's it. Do you remember what year that was? Um, that was in 2004. Okay. Um, 2000, two, 2003, excuse me. Um, Check after the crash, after nine eleven, right. all, all that mess. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, I would. That I mean, nine eleven was another. You were know, you in case. New York then, or were you here? I wasn't in New York. Wow. Thank God. I had left New York about, I want to say, about eight months. Okay. Uh, prior to that, long. no. And then so when that, you moved back here, where did you move to? When I moved back here, um, California. Yeah, I started. I started my career in uh, Malibu, okay. at Merrill Lynch. Okay. So I went home. And that was a sticker shock for me, just living. Yeah. And then, and then, and then you know, being a stockbroker. And it was so fun to tell people, hey, I'm a stockbroker. Right. You know, and my friends that were 21, 22, they're like, good grief. Like, <laughs> how's this guy going to get anybody's money, you know? Yeah. And um, I really refused to go after family and friends. So I just, you know, anyway. 
um, came back, uh, qu- quit, and um, had met um, at that point my wife and wanted to travel the world and with what money we had left from what I had lost in the stock market. And um, But again, we were able to rent out our condo and it paid for itself plus. So we traveled the world. I got an MBA in Australia and wow. uh, a year later we came back. How long were you gone for? Um, we were gone for about a year. So we traveled That's through right. Europe. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Ended up, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was great. And I, and, and that's something I encourage a lot of the young people that are coming into real estate or coming into my firm is to take some time to kind of learn about yourself. Take some time to, to go and, and see the world. And, and because when you come back and you start your hustle, yeah. I mean, you're going to grind. You've got, yeah, while. you've got to be com- committed and yeah. you're not going to have the opportunity to do that. Cause you can't just turn it off. No, you can't. You can, but you're not going to be that successful. Right. right? Exactly. So. And, and, and that, that sows, you know, some things that need to be, I think, you know, need to be done. And then you need to, I agree, you know, learn a little bit more about yourself. I was 21 as a stockbroker. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have hi- hired myself. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I had enough, enough congeniality and yeah. ability to, to talk and, and, um, to, to get by, but you know, when you're, but giving, what do you know when you're 21, when you're giving a 21 yeah. year old, you know, your life savings, I mean, it's, yeah. that's tough. And so I learned a lot through that and that was, it was challenging. It was very difficult um, I think it, it definitely, um, provided a lot of, uh, you know, toughness that, that I brought into, uh, the real estate world. So I came back from, from, uh, getting my MBA and I, real estate was an option because I had a finance degree and, uh, I, I knew the alternatives to real estate and, uh, I understood the, the dynamics of, um, financials. Um, and the capital markets and uh, interest rates and all that. So walked into, uh, at that time, Marcus and Millichap. And, um, and, and the, 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 now you're here. And now I'm yeah. here. And wow. We, uh, sorry, that was a long No, no, I like it. Your question. No, but I didn't see. I mean, <laughs> but that's my background. People yeah. are going to listen. I mean, I knew about Australia. I, for some reason, I think. I think you mentioned before you're we talking about software. I didn't know you went to New York, which is crazy. Yeah. I knew you were a stockbroker, but I didn't. California, you just get up and you're like, I'm going to New York. Oh, yeah. It's, and I know we grew up in the same area, West Lake, Dallas, and Oaks. Yeah. It's, like, it's just like a little, I don't know, it's like a little bubble. Oh, yeah. So New yeah. York compared to there is like, holy. I mean, there's like, LA close, but no, it's oh, just yeah. crazy. It was, it was a shock. I mean, yeah. I remember being in the subway um, and there was a woman standing and I stood up to have a real different experience coming from where we grew up in a small, small town and then going out to New York. And I mean, I little things like being on the subway and standing up and letting a woman sit down. No, they don't do that. They don't do that. <laughs> they don't do that. And the woman like, looked at me and she be- said, I've been, I've been riding the subway for 20 years and I've never had somebody stand up. She said, you know, you must not be here. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm definitely not. And yeah. this is not the way, you know, I yeah. was raised. And then running down, you know, Manhattan in surf trunks, you know, doing some exercise with no shirt on and, you know, New Yorkers kind of looking at this guy like, you know, running past him with yeah. blonde hair, the tan and, and uh, trunks on. on. Yeah. yeah, this is not not happening. People awesome. weren't doing You're it. You're like, don't so. be jealous. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. And then then uh, seven years at, at the, a corporate firm. So I'd moved to San Diego and started. Um, this is what, 2005? This is 2004. Okay. Rob, yeah. Right at the end of 2004. 
Um, the economy is like booming. Right, right. Um, jumped into uh, the apartment game as an apartment broker um, and spent seven years there. Um, grinding, hustling. Grinding, hustling. Did you knew you wanted to do apartments? Or no, just- I had no idea. How long did it take for you to sell your first deal? That's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. Um, so I came into Marcus under a guy that um, I was warned to not work with, but that was very good. I'm not going to say his name. We know who it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, like he was just difficult or? Very difficult. Wouldn't yeah. look me in the eye when I talked yeah. to him. Um, his staff wouldn't help me. Um, I So I learned on my own. Now I had been already a professional and I know a lot of the the younger men and women that come in are fresh. They're fresh. Yeah, Maybe they didn't college. have business acumen or what have you. I had had some, and I had some modest success, um, success in, 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 in and experience working with successful people too. Which absolutely. Is different. Yeah, a- absolutely. So, um, after three or four months, um, you know, uh, of, of being somewhat frustrated with my quote unquote mentor, um, I fired him. Uh, and that deal, or excuse me, that year I did 22 deals. Wow. My first year. Holy yeah. shit. That's huge. Now, that's certainly, you know, uh, had something to do with the market. Um, that was certainly part of my back being against the wall, having, you know, a wife and, and with a baby on the way. Um, but it also, I think, had to do with uh, the fact that I was ready to find what, I wanted to be good at. Yeah. And well, I was, it was such a breath of fresh air going back to being a stockbroker and all these different things you had to know. Yeah. Here was a specialty. Here was one you could thing know everything that you, could that you needed really to know. really good at. Yeah. And you could feel it and you could touch it and you could learn it and you could, you could talk to people who were successful at it. And it wasn't this sea mm-hmm. of, of options. 12 options. Yeah. No. Absolutely. But I also think there's like a confidence too, Bill, because you were saying like when you graduated from college, you were like, I'm going to make a million bucks this first year. Now, people might laugh or think like that's ridiculous. But at the same time, there's like a confidence in you that you just have that other people don't. And that comes across when you're in sales too. So for you to even think that, I mean, that's the type of person that it takes, I think, to close 22 deals the first year that they go out on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and my mentor actually did me a favor because if he had held my hand, if he had actually shown up to meetings that I booked or I showed up and he didn't show up and I'm sitting there brand new and I'm looking at these people and I'm waiting for him. And then finally I said, you either got to do this or, or, or you're going to fail. Yeah. Um, additionally, uh, you know, I was so scared of failing. And so when you say that you have the confidence, I think certainly there was confidence, but I, but what drove me more Mm -hmm. was the, the, the fear of failing, the fear of not. Was it fear you think for like, I got to show my parents I can make it or it's something, right? Is it the fear? Yeah. I mean, at 40 in my mid forties now, I think that's very different. Yeah. Um, Yeah, But I think when you're young and you look up to your dad and, and you look up to um, certain people in your family and they've had success and, you know, they wake up every morning and fight the good fight. um, You know, you, you really look to them to, you know, or you hope that they're going to, give you the good old boy, you know, pat on the back and you make yeah. us proud. Yeah. Um, 
that's not as important anymore. You know, once you actually do make the first million, you know, you're kind of like, okay, now other things are, are, are happening. But, um, yeah, that was a major drive for me. Certainly is, is, and, and, you know, what I, what I'm doing now with this kind of going off subject a little bit, what I, but what I do now with, with the young men and women that come in is I let them take a deep breath I say, look, just because you went to college or just because you graduated with a finance degree or you did a real estate class or whatever, you know nothing. Yeah. And if you sit with me and you listen to me and you take notes and you do as I say and say what I do and hear me now, believe me later, you'll have an MBA after a year in real estate. I mean, you're not going to have the degree, obviously, but yeah. you will, you will it's know better than that. Though. It's better than that. Yeah. And you'll have practical, it's real, real life, real experience. Life. And no one said that to me when I went in and was a stockbroker. No one said, look, you don't know anything. And that's, that was very hard. It was extremely hard because it was this idea of almost pretending that, you know, you fake it till you make it. Yeah. But I don't want my people, my guys and gals to fake it till you make it. Because these are real people that we're dealing with. Yeah. These are investors. We're dealing with a lot of money. And, and they depend and, on it. Right. And so, right yeah. And so, you know, they they learn and then they can they can then do it themselves. So. That's cool. Yeah. No, that's um, 22 deals. That's pretty crazy. I mean, even if the market's good or not, that's still like, it's, you know, like you said. Yeah. It's, it's anybody can be in a good market and they can't do 22 deals. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of deals. It was. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and, and as funny as it is. You know, I didn't even know what title was, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean you know, yeah. what do you yeah. guys do anyway? Yeah, they come in and like, this is back in the good days when they used to be able to yeah. give us stuff and yeah. you, you'd have like a charger, charger tickets and like a bottle of Patron on your desk <laughs> yeah. with a ribbon on it. You're like, all right, what, what, what did I do? Well, you, yeah. you closed all these deals with us. Okay. Well, you know, you kind of, I know what title insurance is, yeah. but I really, in the end of the day, I was like, well, I just put your name on a contract, right? Yeah. So um, funny. So yeah. So you learn. And, and I definitely had to teach myself a lot of things. And, um, so you're, let's see, 2005 and then um, 2000, end of 2004. And then in 2010, um, myself and a couple other, um, successful agents, um, at the company were starting to get that itch, you know, that seven year itch, um, in business. Um, believing that, uh, the corporate, um, bureaucracy and tape Mm -hmm. and middle managers and constant, um, you know, badgering of, 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 of policies and not being able to partner with our clients and not being able to do deals and just being handcuffed and, and, and most importantly, them taking 50%. Yeah, yeah uh, of your income, right? And yeah. so I got together with Chris and Craig, and we sat down, and I said, "Look, I'm, I'm, uh, I think I can do this better. Um, I don't think I need a national platform. Um, generally, Southern California apartment owners are buying Southern California apartments, right? And it's very rare, unless you're doing institutional deals, that someone from New York's gonna buy, you know, a four and a half cap, right. you know, in ocean beach yeah a 10 unit building yeah i mean yeah. it's 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 not going to happen yeah and so we built our our platform um based on uh an open door policy and working together and, and you guys well, you guys built it to 2010 that's like the, the, the oh it was, was garbage it was it was it was horrible yeah i made 
as much that year with the structure of under acre Mm -hmm. as I had in, you know, probably my second or third best year at Marcus. Wow. Because of the difference in the splits. Now we took a huge risk. They weren't happy about it. Um, and, uh, but we, we built a boutique brand based on eliminating a silo mentality. I mean, when we were in our corporate environment and there, and there's, there's great people at these firms that are corporate Mm -hmm. and there's, and there's definitely uh, a need for, um, for, for that and they do good with what they and do some good people stay with. there for a long time absolutely. I mean and that kind of thing and that's for them absolutely yeah that's for them but what what we did was you know I remember being at, at 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 that company and walking out of my office and shutting my office door and locking it to go to the bathroom because I didn't trust the guys I was working with uh, in the bullpen mm-hmm. to not go in and look what's on your desk or yeah. what's sitting on the printer or what have you so our basis was look we're going to be better together, you know, two plus two equals three type yeah. of a synergy. And we're going to share information. We're going to share databases. We're going to respect each other when somebody's already working with a client. We're going to partner up more. Everybody in our company is going to have access to the same information. Whereas prior, the guy in the office next to me was my biggest competitor. Yeah. And he would undercut me for any reason. I'd undercut him. And so we, we did, we started our company on that basis and, and, uh, we've, uh, been, uh, just now in our 10th year, it's crazy now in our 10th year. Yeah. And we've, we are consistently in the top. You're a, you're a name. One, two, three. You're a name, you're a competitor. Southern California. Yeah. And I remember too, um, cause I met Crystal like oh nine, but I remember, kind of knowing you guys, but I just remember, you know, I'm going to say this, um, like people were definitely negative on you guys. So I didn't know, like, Absolutely. I didn't know people are negative. They're hoping right. you're going to fail. Cause right. Like, of course. Yeah. And I think, Oh, they're going to come back. They're not going to make it. And obviously the comedy's bad and you guys are here 10 years later. Now yep. those people are, they don't have to eat their words. They're right. like, shit. Right. This, this is a competitor now. Yeah. It's a problem. Well, yep. were you guys kind of, cause I think since then a lot of people have broken off and started their own companies like new brokerages, but were you yep. sort of like the first one to do that in that time period or. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I, it, it seemed that way. Yeah. Um, at the time. I, mean, I it feel like, like I a, remember it that way. Yeah. Too. Like, like that was a big deal when you guys left. You gave, right. You yeah. probably you didn't know, but you gave yeah. people confidence. I mean, I would, I would hope so. I'm sure. Um, yeah. You know, the way that we, I really didn't go out and, and with the goal of setting up this big brokerage machine. Yeah. I mean, what we wanted to do was we wanted to retain some good clients, um, retain more of the hard earned money we, we were, we, we made <laughs> exactly. and we believed we deserved. And we wanted, I wanted to go somewhere and work with people that I liked and yeah. that I trust it. So you're yeah. more like, let's create our own atmosphere. Let's go surf at lunch. Let's like, let's yeah. share clients. Let's do deals. Let's make money. Let's yeah. modify. Let's, I believe, you know, let's not compete. Let's, you know, let's be. Absolutely. You know, I yeah. believed that why fight each other and make more money for this company Yeah. when we can work together and make the same or more. For you and yeah. your family. Yeah. Yeah. For our, for us and our family and, and, and the lifestyle that you build around that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's, it's worked really well for our clients. It's really, it's worked really well for our agents. 
Um, it's and been, honestly, it's worked really well for San Diego, like having, you know, somebody like you, cause you do guys help a lot yeah. of people and you're a good name and there's, yeah. you guys have good people and good brokers or, you know, salespeople, whatever you Absolutely. call yourself in your company and they're respected. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, you guys you own your own business. I mean, it's, 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 it's tough. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work, but. Um, it's it not for everyone, but I it's think not for everybody. It can us, be good when yeah. it's good, and then sometimes right. shit happens and right. it's bad, and you're dealing with lawsuits or pissed off people right. or this, and you, you, it's like there's no, it's like, yep, I'm the guy that's got to take the call. Like yep. somebody screwed up, it's me. Right. I'm the, I'm the owner. But we have that discussion too. It's like I think certain people are built for more of a corporate structure and they like mm-hmm. that structure. Right. And then certain people aren't like, I want to do whatever I want. However I want to do it. I don't want to have to conform to someone else's idea of what is right. Precisely my scenario as well. Yeah. So, right. I mean, that's why we end up being in business. And, and I tell people too, that are thinking of starting their own business. It's either for you or it's not right. because it's, it's definitely not like, you're living the life, like not hardly working and life is just so easy. It's actually sure. harder in a lot of ways, but it's work that I enjoy doing. Absolutely. And, and we were at, a, I was at a point too, where these, the sales managers and the regional manager were telling us how to do things that they'd never even done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the regional yeah. manager at this, that's company made associate. Yeah. And he had sold like two deals and he was in there walking around big fat cat telling us how to do it. It's like, buddy, I did more than you did in your first year. Yeah. So rather than giving you this, this, and, and this has been a message to the people that have come and worked for my company. I don't pretend to believe that I'm, that what I've created is, is, is going to be their end result. If you have that, that in your gut, if you want that bad enough, go do it yourself. Yeah. I don't, but this is not indentured servitude. You're a vehicle. Yeah. Absolutely. You're a vehicle for somebody or they're like, you're, I'm your vehicle forever. Whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't want to hire people like us. Yeah. Because at first it's great. You know, you'll make money, but then you'll, you'll say, wait a minute. I don't necessarily think that this is the best way of doing it. I can do this. So it's, it is hard to hire people who you think are going to be rainmakers or what have you, because they have choices. Yeah. And they can do it themselves. Um, but salespeople, we have a kind of a built in confidence too. I mean, that's why we do sales. (laughs) So uh, you think you can do anything. Mm -hmm. So there is that, I mean, it's, it's a balance for sure. Without a doubt. And it's, you know, it's going that route was in 2010 was a risk. Um, a lot of people wanted us to fail. I mean, I remember going in and putting my hand out after I'd cleared my desk the night before and trying to shake the regional manager's hand and he wouldn't shake my hand. And he looked at me and said, I hope you fail. And I thought, wow, after being with you for seven years, you want me to fail because I'm not subscribing to your club. Yeah. It's like, you know, now when people come to me and they say, and I've learned a lot from those types of scenarios that I'll never forget. I mean, it's made me stronger. It's made me a leader. Now when I've guys or gals that say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm taking off. Say all the best. Tip of the hat to you. If I can be of any help, let me know. And hopefully, um, if you do compete, we work together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, James Carter's a, you know, and you know, was under me at Marcus and, yep. And, and he does he, his own thing and now. J- James and I have closed all sorts of deals. Yeah. yeah. And so you, know, you try not to burn. You, we know too. Yeah. Same thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think it's friendly competition. And um, the one thing I was going to ask you, Bill, so I think I think a lot of people, um, just in real estate in general, but your thing, 
is I think a lot of people come into the industry because they see somebody like you, you know, they don't know all the work and leg work in the back end, but sure. they're coming in, but they see the success just like people buy, start buying apartments and they see the guys that have, you know, hundreds of thousands of units. They're like, I want that. Right. It's a process for everything. Right. But if somebody is, I'm stopping here before we go further, but if somebody is coming into your office or Marcus or wherever, um, what is, what should, what should somebody new be looking for? In your opinion, and what are some questions they should be asking, and what and what should they, what should the expectation be on them, like coming in, you know, what should they expect to do, and how to be like. And your thing is, what should they come in to be successful, and what should they come in and not do or do, or you know, like, right. you know, you, right. you have these conversations all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, over my my career, it's interesting because I've actually seen kind of a shift in the, the young men and women that are coming out of college or kind of these entry-level jobs. And unfortunately, there's more of what can you do for me? Um, there's a handout. Do we call that entitlement? It's, yeah. And, 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 and you know, in, as real estate um, professionals, we work on commission. And so more and more I'm seeing people submit resumes with what's the starting salary. Well, there is no starting salary yeah. and your back's against the wall. And it's I'm actually going to cost you money. Probably right. For sure. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, and, and then when you start looking at, um, the mentorship and what I'm going to do for you, um, that's an important thing for them to understand. So number one, I'd say, don't expect any handouts. You're not going to get paid to come in and learn mm-hmm. a career that could make you millions upon millions of dollars. Okay. Quick question on that. Yeah. Um, do you think if they if somebody's offering a handout or this or like, hey, here's a salary, do you think that's kind of like it's might might not be a great place to be, just in your opinion, because it's like too easy? Um, you know, I think that there's some validity to that, but no, I mean, if 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 there is a position where you can, you know, perhaps there's a candidate that's you see some really good characteristics in. Maybe they're, they've got uh, connections or family history or um, they've got a really good handle or they're, they look like they're going to be and they need some help. I've done that before, but I always do it more on a draw because I want to okay. know, I want them to know that they have to earn this, yeah. that this is not going to be given to them, that you don't just walk into the business and make half a million, million bucks and life is good and I'm going to buy a bunch of buildings and, right. and I'm going to, by the time I'm 30, I'm retired. So number one is just the handouts. But but that's a good question. I mean, th- we've done certain things flexibility-wise with our, our, our agents, but it's always been with the understanding that that's, that's a what I'm teaching you is going to be paid back to me. Yeah. Um, number two is they should understand what, the commitment's going to be. They should really go in understanding that this is not a nine to five job. Um, if you want a nine to five job, go punch a clock, get insurance, get 401k, go make your, whatever they're paying out there. Um, I, I rem- going back, I remember when I first started, one of my buddies was making like a hundred grand a year and he had been making a hundred grand a year since he was right out of college. And, 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 or even before that, he had a small business and he was making money as like 16, 17 year old. And I was just like, God, you know, my buddy, Kevin, he's just, he kills it, you know, yeah. this and that. Well, guess how much money 
my friends making now a hundred grand a year. Yeah. 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 And you know, at, there was a point to where, you know, we, we, I, you know, there was balance there and then where I just kind of superseded him. And so you have to have the ability to come in, understand there's no handouts. Number two, understand what's expected of you. And number three, have patience and understand that if you have a mentor or, or there's a leader who will give you the tools, help you provide a, an environment where you have the tools to succeed, it will catch up. I mean, I tell the young gals and girls in my office, I say, look, you may not be making money right now physically, but if you're doing what I'm telling you, you're making money right now. It'll dollar cost average over the period. Mm-hmm. If you don't make anything for a year and a half and then you make 300 grand, okay, well, you made you know, X, X dollars. Right. Exactly. Well, it kind of goes with, I think when I, I remember when I was first getting started in the business, somebody told me, you know, like you can go get a job and you can get guaranteed that salary. Like, you know exactly what you're making. You're making whatever 50, 60, 70,000 a year. And that's what you're guaranteed. But if you're willing to take risk, then you can make a lot more. Absolutely. So that's really what we kind of all decided getting in the business is like, Hey, we're going to take this risk because I want more than just that. Right. And some people are happy with that, and that's right. great for them. Nothing wrong with it. Right. But Absolutely. for me, I was like, no, I it's want... A pers- it's a personality yeah. trait. It really right. is. Like yeah. you were saying in the beginning. It's it's a... Like somebody always told me, it was a friend of mine. Her mom's a very, very successful real estate agent, like in Ranch Santa Fe. And she always said, like, oh, I don't know if she's getting real estate. I go, why? And she's like, because it's a lifestyle. It's like, what do you mean? She goes, this isn't a nine to five, sweetie. Right. This is a... 24 hours, seven days a week, right. you're on vacation. And if you're not prepared that, then don't even bother because you're never going to be successful. Absolutely. It's not something you want to come in and go, oh, I want to get in real estate, make you know 80,000 a year. Right. That's You should want to come in here, like you said, I want to make a million dollars a year. That's kind of a mentality and you're willing to work like that. And right? I and, and with what you said there, it's another thing that I tell um, new agents. Um, I said, look, if, you, if you're happy with making 100,000 bucks, get out of here. <laughs> like yeah. for your own good. It's not yeah. gonna be good for me. It's not gonna be good for you because you don't have the benefits of a corporate job. You don't, you're not gonna get pay, pay sick leave. We're not gonna give you, you know, um, your holidays off. Pay vacation. Um, you, you're and you don't get a 401k, you don't get insurance. So that's going to eat into that hundred thousand bucks. Yep. And then you're going to end up being real flexible you know, with a real estate job making, you know, a lot less. So, you know, look, when you're starting out, a hundred thousand bucks is a, is a ton of money. Yeah. And so that's great, but you should want to continue to build and continue to build wealth and get in a position where you can be your own client, yeah. where your clients are. Yeah. You yeah. know, I always say, it's like, I don't want to be on either side of the deal. I want to be in the middle of the deal. Right. Yeah. Um, so just to finish your original question, because yeah. I'm the king of going into different directions. No worries. Um, <laughs> you know, is, yeah, is, you m- as much as the, the new candidate, the new agent should express the qualities and the characteristics and the, the, ten, the, the track record that they'll bring to the company um, and with understanding what's um, expected. They should also be very adamant about what's going to be provided in the scope of a mentor because you get a new real estate person in there and you've got a mentor that's vacant, that's Problem. just gone. They're gonna, they're, if they don't have any real core training or real core background, 
they're, they're going to be gone in a matter of months. And, um, you know, the only other thing I would say is just be prepared to, you know, have humility and, and, and be patient and have resolve and, 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 and be a rock because, people are nasty out there. <laughs> I mean, they're nasty. They, you know, it's, it's a sales job and, uh, you know, skin. you got, you got to have thick skin it's and funny you got to enjoy the, you got to enjoy the process. We have a lot of new agents call us now, obviously just when you have apartments or you've done anything, they call you and try to sell you deals or whatever. Right. And now I'm like, I'm so nice. We're very nice oh, yeah. to those people. Cause I feel, I have respect for the fact that they're doing it absolutely and trying and right. it's just like wild to me. Yeah. That, Somebody yeah. did tell us, yeah. I won't mention names, but they own a lot of units. You know who they are. Right. The good and real estate investor. And he's like, he always said that like when they call you, just pick up the phone and be respectful. Absolutely. And he said, and this is somebody that owns over a thousand units. So, right. And he said, don't ever act like you're have some ego or you're too big because you never know that junior or that person calling you might not even understand what he has. And he calls you, you're the first call and he goes, how's this deal? And you're like, wait a minute, what's that deal? Absolutely. Who'd you call? Nobody. Hey, don't call anybody. Right. Like give yep. me the stuff. Like, yep. um, yeah. And you never know. And also you never know what kind of agent they're going to turn out to be like, right. you know, five, 10 years down the road. You just don't know. Absolutely. And I always tell, and people come to Crystal and I go, Hey, so what do you, how do you, how do you get off market deals? How this, I said, rule number one, don't be a pain in the ass. Rule number two, don't be a pain in the ass. And I right. mentioned rule number three was don't be a pain in right, the ass. Right. What's that like? If somebody calls you and you have a good deal and Bill's calling you and he's like, this is done and you're trying to get a better deal. It's like, no, this is already the better deal. Just right. get it done. And people want to start negotiating and are there just a pain in the ass? I'm like, nobody wants to deal with you. Right. He didn't bring you an off-market deal to deal with the pain in the ass. He brought you an off-market deal because you're going to close and make his life easy and his sellers. Right. And, and that that's another thing that, that I, I try to instill in our agents is there has to be a value proposition. You, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of new agents are out there and they're, they're calling these, these sellers or excuse me, these owners expecting that they're going to just say, Oh yeah, I, 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 you know, so glad you just called. I'm, I'm looking to sell my building. Well, what's the value proposition there? I mean, a lot of times for, we need to have some type of bait or you need to provide information or you need to have an opportunity or you need to be able to distinguish yourself or you need to be able to go above just, Hey, Kenny, uh, crystal, or you guys want to sell something? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, and so, so I, I built a lot of really good clients by just chipping away at exactly who they were and what they wanted and what, what would make, them end up picking up the, the phone and calling me. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was a big thing for me to learn is like, they're getting, they're getting contacted by a lot of people. I mean, we're all calling and trying to sell them, you know, a toaster oven. Yeah. And if it's, if you call and say, Hey, I'm selling you a toaster oven, but there's some toast as well, you know, or whatever the analogy is, yeah, yeah, um, you know, there's some, there's a, there's more value there. And they have to learn that early on is, what am what am I providing mm-hmm. besides just oh well I can sell your building anybody can do that yeah and you know and 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 fundamentally in sales if you like somebody you know and if, and, and that was something I had a hard time with as a stockbroker I felt very young you know I wear glasses now because I have to yeah but when I started <laughs> I was twenty one wearing a f- suit sitting down 
advising people on portfolios uh, of, of, of real or excuse me of, of equities, generally stocks. And my regional manager came in and he said, you need, you need fake glasses. You look like you're 12. <laughs> and so I got fake glasses. And then for a long time I stopped, you know, because I, I was confident. I looked yeah. a little bit older. And now that I am in my, you know, early to mid forties, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to wear glasses. So, you know, That's thank goodness. You still look young, so don't worry about it. Uh, I remember I being I young though too, because I started when I was 19. Yeah. And I remember Jeez. just like sweating every time I had to go meet with a client to like, I didn't know if they were going to order a cocktail and I, know, I couldn't even so right. drink. Uh, or, right. Uh, yeah. And I even remember when I was younger, like, that, huh? can I just get like a couple gray hairs or oh, something? Yeah. yeah. Something. It's like, God, I yeah. wish I was balding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Until now. You yeah. Now about. I'm like, oh, okay, this is good. But, but I didn't have the confidence in where I was when I was 21, 22, 23 to behave, to be myself. Because yeah. I, because I was dealing with older people, and I was yeah. like, "Why?" I live in at the beach with a couple buddies. Yeah. They could be your parents. Yeah, they could yeah. be my parents. I mean, I've yeah. literally had I had a meeting one time with um, some investors, and then I saw them walking on the boardwalk down in Mission Beach, and I was in trunks and sunglasses. They walked right by me. I had no idea. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, like I'm in a. I'm in a different world than these people. I've learned more and more as time goes on to have, I thought I, uh, it's all right. um, I, I learned more and more to have the confidence to be myself Yeah. and that people would like me for me, even, even the young, young people, you know, you never know who you're going to get. And yeah. some of these investors want the young, fun, fun, young man or young woman who's just real, like. Um, and, and I didn't realize that I thought you had to be strict and a right. business person and a calculator and, you know, this is the only way I'm going to get business. So I, you're providing, and that's how my dad, that was the image of my dad as an attorney mm-hmm. was going into his office and you could hear the clock ticking, you know, you could hear guys like yeah. on the phone yelling too yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or doing their work, but it was very structured. It was very tight lipped. It was very, don't say anything yeah. that, you know, a, a professional shouldn't say, don't be, you know, a little, don't, don't crack jokes or you know so it's it's something that to be yourself yeah, you, and go out there people are going to like you, you create your own environment you guys right. listen to me do whatever you want to do right. yeah it's fun Absolutely. i mean you can still have fun you can still do whatever i think people realize that you you never know who's walking down the street now you don't know if the guy owns a freaking company or no. you could be riding on a skateboard on the boardwalk we have the billion dollars. you just don't know anymore because everybody now is just like they are who they are and that's yep. one of the things i think i like about the world i think social media is some ways help that and people are like, this is who I am. If you don't like me, then I don't really care. Exactly. And, and we're getting, we're seeing, you know, more and more of this, I think this investor and well, I should say this, a professional environment is a little bit more relaxed, especially in Southern California. So I don't, you know, I haven't worn ties since I left for 10 years, you know, since I left that the corporate um, firm that I was at, I don't, I haven't never wear a tie. I have 40 ties sitting collecting (laughs) dust. Um, it's and, funny when you look at them too, because you're right. like, "Holy shit, I wore this." <laughs> I was like, "What's the point of a tie? <laughs> like, will they want to wipe my mouth like yeah, with yeah, it, or yeah. like, what the hell is yeah, this? Yeah, what yeah. is this? And why is it like? Is it? Am I supposed to feel like uncomfortable with this thing around my neck? So you know, we 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 throw jackets on, and we're we're business um, casual casual generally in the office, and then you know when it when it's necessary, we we want to look professional, but 
Southern California is also a little bit more laid back. Sure. So, you know, if I'm sitting with a, with a guy I've done deals with and we're in jeans and, you know, we're having a beer at, at lunch and we're talking about, you know, multi-million dollar deals, that's that's great. Yeah. I mean, everybody's comfortable. Everybody, you know, but that's taking time. Oh, no, you no, know, for I sure. mean, that's that's that, taking... that, was, that was one of my questions for you is um, I think I think a lot of people that we meet or we talk to, we were talking about this earlier is I think one of the questions is, you know, you meet with somebody, they're like, hey, I own a building and I want to get to 500 units. Right. Right. Like, how the hell do I get to like that guy? Right. And obviously, like, we get asked the question, you get asked the question right. or or somebody's coming to you saying, hey, Bill, I got this or I'm going to Like, how do I get there? And you've got right. clients that you've helped grow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, yeah. So, and, you know, I think a lot of young brokers, too, is they they don't they haven't had enough you know, longevity in the business right. to be able to build somebody a portfolio right. or take them from, Hey, they were worth 5 million. Now they're worth 50 million. Right. And it was all built with me. Yep. Can you kind of talk about, um, like strategy of maybe, you know, with clients or just kind of like somebody that's coming to you? Like, like what is your, what is your strategy of getting somebody to grow? And then, you know, what does that look like? Well, I think it's, I think it's, it's a profile of the type of investor um, that is is almost kind of organ- organically kind of obvious. I mean, I, I, to, I guess to reiterate what I'm saying is, for example, one of my clients when I first introduced myself to him, he had a lot of a lot of people were were, were talking to him, and and um, he's very short with people and this is what I want and this and that. Um, but you know, there was a, an kind of an immediate, um, I think respect for, um, my ability to kind of give it back to him a little bit. And the way he was with me very short and fast. And I, I was very witty and quick to come back with him and, and, and give him the idea that, look, you know, I understand what my value is. I'm not, I'm not trying to get something for nothing. And this is what I can do. Mm-hmm. And once I understood and I recognized that this was someone who had, for the lack of better words, cojones and wanted to do a lot more, then my loyalty started to to build. I also, you have to really start to um, have emotional intelligence um, and, and, and learn about that and understand and be able to read between what people say and read actions and, 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 and expressions. And, and um, this was a guy I knew – I'm just as one example who wanted a lot more out of what he was doing. He wasn't as conservative. And so we started with one deal and he behaved very well as a buyer. So when I said to do something, he respected me for what my recommendation was and he did it. And then he got the deals. Mm -hmm. And so time after time, if you start getting involved with, with investors that are extremely challenging um you a lot of times you kind of got to move on um you want there to be a mutual trust and you want them to understand what your value is so um picking and 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 recognizing uh an investor in the marketplace and seeing what they've done over the last five years and then asking those questions of where do you want to be in five years from now and okay rather than again what you can do for me by making me commissions mm-hmm. is more of like, this is what I can do for you. And we're partners mm-hmm. and I'm going to sell you this building. And guess what? That I'm part, I'm a partner in that building because you're 
damn well going to sell that building again with me and we're going to go into another deal that I'm going to find you. Um, it's that process is, is worked well for a number of, of people that, that I've been able to have real strong relationships with loyalty is very challenging in this business. And you guys for sure understand that as owners <laughs> and rare. I do too. It's very rare. And you know, your, your, your next deal is really the only thing that creates any type of loyalty because somebody's going to call you. You're going to be nice to them. You want a deal. Um, and being able to just commit to one person doesn't really happen that often in this, in this business, um, from a, uh, a, a client standpoint. Um, so if you're lucky enough to work really hard and show your value, that's really how you create your loyalty. Um, and getting more of a friendship, uh, mm-hmm. kinship, you know, going out, go that way. families and, yeah. involved, that type of thing. And it goes back to like you saying, if you have a client who's just being difficult or tough to work with, it's like, hopefully this is going to be a long relationship. So right. you can't build a relationship with somebody that you're bucking heads with all right. the time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're, if you, you know, early on in your career, some of those difficult people you're going to have to deal with yeah. yeah, because you got to put, you know, yeah. Cause it's a deal. on the table. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause it's a yeah. deal, but yeah. you're going to get to a point where that pendulum shifts and you're going to start to choose a little bit more of who you want to do deals with. And when we have opportunities, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I know something's juicy mm-hmm. or there's a really good opportunity, or there's a really good fit with an investor. That's, that's a present. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how, much wealth or more wealthier I would be or more billions I would own if some of these opportunities I was bringing to people when I first started, I could actually afford to buy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I oh. couldn't. Yeah. It's like signing, you know, contracts for clients that were in Europe with an exchange and buying, you know, deals I knew were steals. Yeah. But it was more important for me to create that relationship and that trust and to get paid that commission. And now, so Bill, I feel like there's a couple different kinds of brokers. Like there's those transactional brokers mm-hmm. who are always hammering the phones and mm-hmm. looking for new clients. And they're, they're probably newer in their business and haven't built up a book. Right. And then there's people who I look at, oh, I definitely see you as more of this type that's a little bit more of like an advisor right. where you might not work with so many different people, but you have a handful of people that you really have helped grow and advise right. all around. Absolutely. So, I mean – what do you think about like those brokers who are just doing transactions? I feel like I've heard it before. Like it's, you're spinning your wheels all the time. Do you prefer to help people like help grow their portfolios? And are you advising them on more than just that deal that they're buying? Like different aspects of the deal. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think over time when you have a relationship with somebody and you start to understand the way they tick. Yeah. Um, then yeah, Moving away from the kind of the machine gun, just spraying (laughs) bullets out um, mentality and and being more of a sniper and being able to, to, yeah, yeah, being able to uh, really organically, intrinsically see a deal, understand the ins and outs of the deal and being able to digest it and then regurgitate it to only a couple people. Yeah. who may be good candidates, takes skill, and and then having them trust you 
because you've worked on many deals with them over the, or you've got track record with them. Um, and, and then letting them, you know, run with that. So I'm absolutely advising people on property management, yeah. on, um, lending, on, uh, the, the rental markets, um, uh, improvements, CapEx, anything and everything under, under the sun. But it goes back to through the years in any business, you're going to create partnerships like with you guys I yeah. mean, and getting them to a good lender or getting them to, you know, a good property manager, um, and having a team. Um, and I, I think that's important. I think being able to, uh, kind of, uh, get away, getting, getting away from the idea of just being a transactional, that's going to be okay for a while. And everybody's kind of has to start that way, but that in times when things get tough, that's going to be hard. Um, and so that's really been my philosophy. I've been fortunate. Yeah, no, fortunate. I agree because, yeah. um, it's kind of, I mean, the market's been really good for a while, right. as we all know. Absolutely. And at some point, you know, I don't, you know, there's a correction, whether this or that, but, um, I totally believe that because I think. When the economy is good, people might not pay attention. When the economy goes down, they're like, man, I need to make sure that I'm working with somebody that really knows what the hell they're doing and what's going right. on. It's rather right. transactional. So I think when it down, I think that's important with anything. Lending, mm-hmm. property manager, like, right. you know, selling the building, whatever it is. I mean, I think right. people, because last downturn, I know people just for property management in Arizona, they like, you know, I, you know the client, he almost lost like, his halls and everything because yeah. this property manager company just let his big buildings go to hell to handbasket and he's 30% bacon, couldn't make his bills and right. it's crazy. Right. So I think it's, um, who everybody works with, who's on your team is super, super Well, it comes important. back Absolutely. to that value proposition too. Cause I think that's like one of the things we definitely believe in with our clients too. If I can set them up with a good, you know, insurance person mm-hmm. or a good property manager and a good real estate attorney, whatever it is that they need, a good broker, mm-hmm. then it helps all of us, it helps Absolutely. them to grow. And then you're building that kind of trust and rapport with them and making sure that like you actually care about their asset yep. and want it to do well. Yep. So it's, it's been important for us and we do it too. I think it's, um, nice to have a team that you mm-hmm. can count on. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's buy-in. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're advising on, on multi-million dollar, uh, investments and, you know, if, if you just, do that deal and then you walk away and you're not following up and you're not talking to them and you're not helping them um, through that process. And the odds are you're not going to be on the other end of that transaction, which is really what we're trying to do. Right. We're trying to, to, to move clients through investment timelines to where they get to the day where they're just going to say, look, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm going to retire and this is my retirement. Thanks. Tip of the hat to you. <laughs> you know, and hopefully I'm not still working. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what um so speaking of the market, uh where do you I hate to say like, oh, how's the real estate market, but where do you kind of I mean, look, we've had a good run and a lot of people it's been made a, a good lot, run. A lot of people made a lot of money yeah. since, you know, um let's just call it two thousand eight or nine. Especially yeah. in um I mean like people say you could throw a damn dart at anything. Mm-hmm. If you bought it in two thousand ten, you probably double your money. Mm-hmm. But um what are you kind of seeing out there now is people that are super active or maybe, you know, or I know obviously super active guys just keep buying because right. they have a different people don't understand it. But 
they always know as shit will be more expensive in 20 years than it is now. Right. It's simple. Right. Um, but I know you get people calling you like, I don't know if I should buy. I mean, right. What's the conversations look like when you're talking to the pro and then somebody that's, you know, maybe you work with that maybe has a building that's talking about, oh, I want to buy another one here, but they're just kind of holding back or not sure. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, good question. And it's always one I wish I had a better answer for. <laughs> um, crystal ball. And yeah. yeah. Um, so look, I mean, when, when, in whether you're a seasoned investor or you, you're a new investor, I mean, going back to my early days as a stockbroker and what I wanted to do is I wanted to be good at something, one thing. I want to be a specialty in one thing because I knew if I knew that I could, I could help you. Mm-hmm. So what I look at is I look at just the basic fundamentals of Southern California real estate to start. Okay. So where are we at? Um, we've got a major demand for housing, a major demand for affordable housing, right? We have rents that have been, we've seen in the double digits in the, in the past, um, Mm -hmm. the recent past, we now have rent control, which is a whole nother story and actually is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's unfortunately, it's not good for the tenants and, um, I've, I can go on forever about how, you know, uh, our government has restricted our downs or, or, or have downside down decreased our upside for landlords, but they've, uh, our expenses are, you know, because of their regulations are go through the roof. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, it's mind boggling. It's an inverse correlation that just is is bizarre. It's not a good way to make money and it's no. not a good way to, to run a, a state. But anyway, um, the, just the fundamentals and where we're positioned with Mexico to the South. And everybody knows this, we got the Pacific ocean, the we've got walls. the desert, the four walls that we're stuck and we've got immigration and we've got, um, you know, uh, just a, an absolute perfect storm for being an apartment owner. I mean, there's just no question. Right. Um, nowhere to build all that. So I first and foremost look at that. And then I look at, um, where debt is Mm -hmm. and debt is as good as it gets. I mean, it's so cheap. And so, you know, the cost of capital is certain something, something to look at. And then you've got to take a look at our historical performance and what things have, 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 uh, what's occurred and make a a pretty decent assessment with a forecast of what the future is going to look like. And it's pretty darn bright. So, I mean, just taking a very simplistic look at things, I think it keeps the market going. Um, and it keeps things pretty darn healthy. Um, as far as where I see like right now, well, I think the rent control, um, initiative has, has paused, um, uh, a handful of, of, of the market. I think that we're seeing it it's slow just a, just a hair. Mm-hmm. Um, Some people figure out what like, I think a lot of people when they see these things there's just like oh it must be bad. Mm-hmm. Must be, oh my god, I can't raise my rents more than seven and a half. Well look, uh, Mr. and Mrs. client, what did you do for the last 10 years? 4% maybe. Not some of them, not even. I mean, some of them's like, well, and and so I'm saying, yeah. So seven and a half percent. That's pretty darn good. good. And guess what? I might have done three percent. Now I'm going to do seven and a half percent, no matter what. Yeah. You know. I mean, so 
so the the fundamentals are good, and 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 if debt continues to remain, I think at a at a pretty Probably stable, it, it should with mm-hmm. the with the elections coming, and um, you know, the global economy is definitely you know a little dicey right now, mm-hmm. and so I think our government's going to do the best. The Fed's going to do their best to kind of keep things kind of calm, um, which means either cutting rates or keeping them easing, yeah. right. Exactly. So, so if you're in the know, if you an investor that, that is, you know, you're, you're either new or you're tenured, get out there and, and start looking for opportunities. Now your, your big value add deals might be a little bit more tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a little bit more red tape. You're going to have to have a good team, both with capital improvements, um, you know, renovations, raising rents. You're going to have to keep yeah, your, keep your nose to clean. Make sure that they know right. how to guide you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But they're still out there. And, um, there's always deals. Right? And right. quite frankly, the, um, the moving costs that you have to pay, like right. the one month rent, that's minor. a joke. Yeah. I mean, minor. compared to what people are paying tenants to get out in LA and San Francisco. I mean, right. it's nothing. Right. Absolutely. It's like a salary they're paying. People and some yeah. of us were already doing something similar right. when we were buying buildings exactly. to rehab. Which so people don't right. understand. Oh, absolutely. But that, the pros Without a doubt. understand yeah. that. The pros right. aren't because they understand they've been doing it. Right. Because they want to move quick. So to move quick, you right. just, capital makes people move, right? Right. Somebody doesn't have a lot of money, you present them with money. They're like, oh, I'm out of here. They can go find yeah. another deal. Yep. So that's where you're, I like, I mean, it's funny because a lot of people we talk to, I don't, it's always the four walls, you know, here. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just think that there's, it's funny if like, there's another big apartment and he's like, if we go into everything goes to hell in a handbasket and everything goes in a recession, and I don't think a lot of people forget about this is when the recession hit, we didn't build for five years. No. So. When people were hurting in their businesses and the apartment right. owners all of a sudden go, my values are down, but wait a second, my rents are going up. Right. Wait, my rents are going up. And all of a sudden, people had businesses and the stock market, everything else, right. were getting crushed, but rents were the first thing to right. start coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they reminded again, they said, everybody always asks him, what is this? He goes, it's the same thing, guys. If we go into a recession or an economic downturn or it's bad, they're not going to build. Because right. builders don't build when it's right. bad because right. they can't get money. Right. So my apartment building here, guess what? So the demand just increased. <laughs> it's worth more yeah, because yeah. you can't do what I have. Right. And then you take a place like San Diego where we're behind 100,000 units, mm-hmm. nationwide two and a half million. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't – and the, it's funny because the rent control, we can talk about that for a minute. They're, you know, The building association is now suing the California. Yeah. And everybody's like, why? I'm like – because they're like, you're not understanding what we're trying to say mm-hmm. is if you would drop the regulations and drop all the bullshit right. and you allow us to build affordable housing at affordable levels and just do it quickly, we would do it. I mean, Crystal's on stage speaking at an event and there's a lady up there for a company and they do a half a billion dollars a year building, which is a lot. Yeah. She said, we would do two billion. We have the money, but we can't because of regulation. Right. We're barely can get this done right. and we're really good at what we right. do. No, absolutely. Like really good. And so that's the other problem is, is like you, you and I would love people to build affordable housing because it needs to get done. Right. But yeah. And, and unfortunately the political, um, I think, uh, atmosphere or, or um, landscape, whatever landscape. Yeah. Is, is not going to change all uh, quickly in, in, in such a, a highly liberal state. 
Um, but that goes back to what I was saying. Um, they, in my opinion, they missed the mark on uh, the homeless crisis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, uh, everything I've read and everything I've seen and is we've got, you know, essentially mental illness and, and drug abuse. Um, and so, you know, it's putting a, a cap on, on rents is, you know, not going to do it. And, and, and also the regulations that have, um, increased the cost of water and electricity and all those things. And there's this idea out there that, you know, landlords are these big fat cats, you know, and these, the majority of, of, uh, the buildings in San Diego are, you know, eight to 12 units. Yeah. And so who are, who own those? Well, guess what? Those are the baby boomers. Yeah. Those are, um, the, the mom and pops of the world mm-hmm. and they're trying to retire and they may not have had 401ks or, or IRAs or what have you. They put their money in real estate mm-hmm. and now their expenses are going through the roof and now you're capping their income. And so, you know, I've seen more and I, more and more owners that sit in front of me that aren't multi, multi, multi millionaires, but they're, you know, this is their, their retirement. Yeah. And it's sad. And that's so. really the case for most real estate owners. Absolutely. I mean, most of us don't have the 401k right. or the retirement. This is it. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. Right. I mean, I'd love to be able to, you know, to cap what you make on your equities. You know, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. You know, your yeah. stock portfolio, let's go ahead and limit it to 7%, you yeah. know, but you have all the downside in the world. Right. We're not going to cap your downside. Right. We're just going to cap your upside, you yeah. know, but you can lose the building. But anyway, the, going back to, to the market as well in the, the, the last couple downturns that we've seen, I mean, how many foreclosures did you see in San Diego? Very few. I mean, few. For, if we're any. talking right. about multifamily. multifamily. Right. Yeah. Multifamily. Right. And so I think the banks have tightened up a little bit. I think that, you know, if you're going into and you're putting enough down and you're covering your DCR and, you know, you're, you're, you're not you're, mismanaging. The no, property. you're not mismanaging. You're not going in with no money down BS with hard money and you're not lever- over leveraging yourself. It's going to be a pretty picture for you. Yeah. You know, you're going to get rich over time and you're going to be the millionaire next door. Yeah. You know, just as, as much as you can get into any deal you can with good, smart, leverage good debt um and uh give it and, a good broker and just and trade up when you can. yeah yeah absolutely yeah yep. greg this guy greg willett i think he's um probably one of the best economic advisors in the real estate market for multifamily he's um worked for real page okay yeah. we know yep he's a piece of work but um he always says in a downturn which is like how you said is one of the most important things is curb appeal and then he just said, you know, you're going to look at your expenses. Is there anything you can cut? Right. And then he just said, um, most people that are in, in a downturn, the economy shifts, which, were, you know, the place that's really getting crushed is the luxury. Mm. All the, the oh, yeah. So luxury yeah, yeah, yeah. kills. So luxury is going to go to, from A to B and the mm-hmm. B's go to B to C. Mm-hmm. So the B's that goes to C's are going to go, where's the nicest C? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go there first. Mm-hmm. That's where they look. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you know. That's what I always tell people is that's his recommendation is, is your curb appeal, make your property look nice. Right. You don't have to look crazy, but keep up with your stuff. Absolutely. And also too, and if it comes back around when you guys sell a building, it makes your life easier too. You know, uh, like, without you know, a doubt. 
Yeah, absolutely. People pull up. Your makes a lot easier when it's like, wow, Kenny and Chris will take care of their property. This shit's done. This is going to be great. You know? oh, I, without a doubt. And you can confidently say when you're selling people's buildings too, this is for buyers, sellers. When you're selling somebody's building and you know who they are and that buyer's agent knows, oh, this guy keeps his stuff tight. Your job's easier. Like, mm-hmm. I know. I know. You go ahead and do your inspection. I know. Oh, yeah. Gonna, it, people don't understand. It makes your life easier. You're going to get more money. Yep. And the transaction's that much smoother. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I would prefer selling a class C building over a class A building any day of the week. I mean, those are, they're tough. They are, huh? Class A are tough, man. They look pretty and you, you know, they're sexy and, you know, your name's on it and yeah. it's a big, big, The numbers never really look that good though. The they? numbers <laughs> yeah, don't they look, look terrible. good. I the feel like people good. who buy those properties just want that pride of ownership. Yeah, it's a legacy yeah. asset yeah. and you're, you know, it's coastal and you're, but yeah, I mean, yeah, what, it's, what do you, what's your, um, a buyer or sellers listening to this right now, what's your biggest pieces of advice for a seller and a buyer, um, when working with a broker and, you know, what expectations should they have? Yeah. I mean, I, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it would be a generic response because, you know, everybody is, is certainly, um, uh, very specific in, in what their, uh, investment parameters are and what their timeline is and, um, what their capability capabilities and qualifications are and their track record and all that. So, I mean, you can really complicate it and I'd really try to approach everybody like that. So there's a lot of questions, but from a very, I guess, uh, well-rounded, uh, answer, um, if you're, if you're a buyer, um, first and foremost is, is, is understanding, um, what, what, what you're, end goal is i mean what are, what are you trying to do are we are we looking for an asset that is uh going to be an appreciation play are you looking for an asset that's um cash more of a cash flow play it's 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 hard to really match those um it, it's not impossible but it's a little bit hard to match those so just from a from a buyer standpoint i mean you know we've we've got people there every day that call hey we're looking for value add you know it's like yeah everybody is you know? <laughs> yeah. and and so from as a buyer i would say you know what's your what's your what's your end goal um what are you trying to achieve um what are your capabilities um do you have good strong relationships with lenders if not call Kenny and Crystal, um, do you have a broker that's in the know? Are you working with somebody that has a strong track record? Are you working for somebody that's hungry? Are you working for somebody um, that is uh, you're looking to establish a relationship with? Or are you whoring yourself out to everybody and you know uh, lowering your 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 qualification? I guess I could say. Um, so just having a plan as a buyer, um, and then you know, understanding, uh, the different markets and really understanding where you're comfortable with, where you're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as a seller is concerned, I mean, more and more where we see sellers are trying to time the market and that's just, Impossible. you know, I was with a seller yesterday and he said, well, you know, should we wait for Q one and you know, of 2020 and, and this and that. And I said, well, we just listed two buildings. Um, and they're both under contract at full price and we're going to break records in both sub markets 
for the price per square foot and the price per unit. Now that doesn't mean that an appraiser is going to come in and say that's what it's worth. Of course, I always have to preface that, and you know. <laughs> but what what I guess what I'm trying to say is is just because it's Thanksgiving's coming and, and Christmas is coming and all this and holidays and then vacations always and all a buyer. that. There's the market. We, right we here. know one thing right now. At this very moment, this is what we know: where interest rates are, where 1031 exchange buyers are. Who's what and what's what in Q1? I can't tell you where rates are going to be, so I guess it's why wait. Yeah, and of course that worked. That bodes well for us. But do you disagree with that? No, not at all. Because for me, (laughs) you've got to have to do it for so bad. (laughs) I worked out this morning. I'm really thirsty. (laughs) I think um, real estate investors. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Real estate investors in general, like. I'm good. On vacation, no matter where they're at, are like right. ready to do deals. Right. So that's when yeah. somebody says, I heard that real estate is slow. Right. I'm like, okay, we're not talking about buying a single family home right, right now. Right. We're not we're baking about, cookies. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. someone's career. This right. is what they do. Right. They buy apartment buildings. Right. And some people have. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. I can say unlimited, but almost unlimited resources if a deal's come across. And Absolutely. Build and I've been on the phone many a Thanksgiving. Bill knows who to call if yeah. there's a deal and yeah. somebody always has yeah. money. And they're, they're, it doesn't matter if it's yeah. Christmas at. 12 they're going to be like let's do it that's just how it works yeah know? absolutely so you know it's I, I'm not even residential is a whole Ugh, different you know a whole different uh, game that you're you know, glad game you're not and, yeah and in, in commercial um, you, you both you both yeah. nailed it I don't I mean, think if there's you're, a high season no. or a low season no so no. it's all year round no absolutely there's yeah. always a there, there. there's like I said is you guys know if there's a deal and if it's got to be taken down, you know who to call and who right. will perform. It doesn't matter. And right. I generally think the people who are asking those questions are people who are, who are coming from residential because I know in residential there's like one day of the year that people supposedly get the highest sale price or sell their properties sure. the fastest sure. if you list on like March 31st or April right. 12th. I right. don't know what day it is. But I think that mentality comes from people who are used to dealing with residential right. because I've never thought about like let's not list our bill. If I'm ready to sell, I'm ready to sell. Oh, yeah. It doesn't uh, matter yeah. what day it is. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, if there's, you know, any kind of major, you know, I'm not going to suggest putting the building out on the market on Christmas. You know? I, mean, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, if you want, you know, yeah. but yeah, it, it's commercial is commercial. And if you're, you're an active investor, people have 1031 exchanges. They've got to spend money at all periods. Yeah. I mean, I would and, just say, you know, if you're going to list your building and you need to exchange, don't go on, you know, four month vacation and not be available. It's like right. when you're ready, be mindset is we're selling, got to buy another asset. It is absolutely. It, it, I mean, even though it's work for you, it is work for a buyer. Right. You got to, they got to, oh, they got to be able to show up. They can't right. just be like, Hey guys, we got to, we don't have so much time here. Right. And I, we've had this conversation. I just want to know what you think about those like <clears throat> cart before the horse. Oh yeah. Buyers like, oh, well, uh, I need to find a property to buy and then I'll sell these other properties with you. Right. Do you take those buyers seriously? Ooh, good uh, question. Yeah, yeah. It's a stumper. <laughs> um, I, you know, we've, I've recently dealt with some of those. Now, if I have a, a, a junior agent come in and, and it, which inevitably almost once a week I do because they feel like there's something there. They, they come in so and they, close. this is, a, this is, yeah, it's so yeah. close. Like 
look, this guy's got this beautiful building and, you know, it's nice, but he really wants double the size. And if we can bring him a deal, you know, he'll, you know, he'll then list this. Um, there's there. I have structured deals like that. Um, I, we've been successful doing it. Um, it's extremely challenging, but, but the probability is if someone's not, if an investor's not willing to put on their big boy pants or big girl pants, you're going to lose out. And we consistently get people who ask that and we have to kind of change the way that they view this. And yeah. we have to say, look, we, I've never lost a 1031 exchange, billion and a half or more in, in closings. Um, and we are able to put a timeline together that will give you X amount of days that is going to make you feel very, very comfortable. And, and then here, talk to these 20 people who we've done this for recently, and maybe that'll help. Some of them are going to be stubborn and say, absolutely not. Um, and that's when those investors are generally going to overpay for real estate. If and you do structure that. So question. Well, I think of how many other buyers are you competing against who right. don't have that scenario, who oh, have their money well, ready to go. I mean, that's, that's, that's a so thing. That's why you you do, you're out. not. And that's, I was going to say this and at some point you're a, a, a seller. And then once you're a seller, you put a buyer's hat on and that's generally after your buyer. If you're a seller, you've got a seller's hat on. Yeah. The buyer comes in, they've got a buyer hat on. They go non-refundable and they commit a couple hundred grand or whatever it is. They can't get that money back. That's when Mr. Seller puts his buyer hat on. Yeah. And then he can go to Kenny and Crystal or he can go to this person and that person. He can say, look, I'm a credible, capable, qualified buyer. I'm going to be in a 10th of a win exchange. The, the probability of closing is high and we're ready to roll. But there is there is a point where uh, sellers have to – or owners who want something better have to kind of take that risk. Yeah. And it's not, you know, there's going to be very few people that are going to deal with you. But unfortunately, some of these, these, these sellers are going to get attention because they're going to have newer guys or gals who are going to, to tr- think deals. that there's something yeah. there. Yeah. And, and, and maybe they'll trip over something and say, here's something. Oh, I like that. Great. And maybe they'll, that seller will, for whatever reason, accept that an offer of some, somebody who's, not really a buyer. Anyway. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, no, that, I, no yes. I told so you I just guys wanted to throw that out there because I hear it all the time, too. I tell people don't and it's just, to do, yeah. basically, you got to sell. Like, and I just go, look, go ask a seasoned pro if they sell buildings. Some of them don't, but if they do, right. they know that they're like, no, sell. Or some of them have enough money, they'll buy it and reverse exchange and pay the fee because they can, but most right. people don't have that. Right. Reverse exchange is the other option. Yeah, and we're, but most we've people done that are seasoned, they're just like sell my building bill, and they know I know you're going to find me something because they know you're going to take it. You're going to be like stressed about finding something. Yeah, that's absolutely. How you should, that's yeah, how absolutely. And um, it's a liability for you almost because you you know it is a liability, sure. and and it's a it's a, a leap of faith, and you know you have to uh, if if you yourself don't have that track record, um, you have to partner with someone who has a track record who can look somebody in the eye and say, look, I I know where you are. I'm, I'm an owner as well. I know it's scary, but look, here's these case studies. Yeah. And you, you, you just have to take that leap most of the time. I agree. So I, I agree. think I'm going to leave it at there. 
Take the leap. Take, Take the leap. The leap. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Anderson, thank you yeah. for your time. Thanks, guys. Bill, thanks that for was fun. In. That was fun. Where do, where do we yeah. find you? Where does anybody find you? What's the best way to contact you? Uh, what am I giving my phone number out to? Randoms, yeah. Sure, oh, okay, or, cool. Or, no, or I'm email, kidding. whatever. No, 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 um, no. Email, email is probably best. Um, uh, when my 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 mom's mad at me, it's William, not Bill. <laughs> so it's it's W Anderson. Um, that's S O N. So W A N D E R S O N at Acre A C R E Commercial dot com. Commercial spelled out. So W Anderson at Acre Commercial dot com. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for coming cool. in. Yeah, thanks All right, for coming guys. in. Answer all the thanks. questions. Yeah. Fun. Cool. Fun. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>